Thank you, everyone. Thank you for that prayer. And it's so wonderful to be able to. so wonderful to be able to go to the Valley Vision and the Puritans. They have such a wonderful way of combining doctrine and the heart for Christ. That's one of the wonderful things we're going to see in our passage today. If you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, we'll just be in the first 11 verses this morning. Please pray with me one more time. Heavenly Father, Help us this morning to keep your word central to our lives. Help us to feed on your word and to live through it. We thank you for the amazing gift of your son and for coming to dwell within us. We are not worthy of the blessings that you bestow on us, your people. Please bless our congregation this morning and give us one voice and one heart as we give honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Philippians is a short letter, and it's right in between Ephesians and Colossians near the end of your Bible. We're going to read along in verses 1 through 11 today, so just uh, read with me. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Around my house, we like to call Philippians the greatest hits collection of the New Testament. You know, we all know the concept, right? It's a collection of songs either from a decade or from a band. It's all the familiar hits that everyone knows, and they've been played over and over again on the radio. We feel that way about this book because there are so many phrases that we quote over and over again in our Christian walk, right? This tiny letter is just packed, packed to the brim with so many of them. So I'm going to ask for a little bit of response here. So I'm going to start a phrase, and I would love for you all to finish the phrase with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, to live as Christ, to die. I can do all things through him who. And let's do one more, which is in our passage today. He who began a good work in you will. Close enough. All right. So just take 15 to 20 minutes this week. I'd encourage you all to do this as we continue to kind of prepare and study a little bit in this book. You'll see an eye to these quotable phrases. You'll find so many things that you've gone to over the years again and again for comfort, for encouragement, for joy, for that same heart that we were talking about with the Puritans. It's got the doctrine in there as well in this letter. 
but the heart just comes through so strong in Paul. To provide some helpful context, the church in Philippi is likely a very small church at this point when this letter is written. Has Lydia's household as the primary meeting place for the church. And we know this from Acts chapter 16. In fact, while Paul is there, he actually joins Lydia's household for a time and stays with her. Uh, we can also expect that the Philippian jailer from that miraculous conversion probably joined the church right afterwards. And there are a few more members that we'll see as we go through this letter and you read through it. And as you will see, Paul had a particular affection for this church. The, the character of this letter is extremely warm. Extremely warm, far more so than any other church that you'll read about uh, in the epistles. We'll see that there are, however, some notes of division that are happening in this church. We don't know what the primary cause was as we read through it, but something was, was causing friction and causing conflict within the Philippian church. And so you'll see a backdrop of that as we go through this and Paul's admonition for how to overcome that kind of conflict. Paul is pleading with them to come together for the gospel by appealing and encouraging them throughout this letter to put the gospel first, to make it central to their lives, ahead of their issues with each other, ahead of anything that they would, they would see in themselves as important. And we'll see hints of that disagreement today, and you'll see much more throughout the letter, but the emphasis for today is on that partnership in the gospel. So our main argument, our main message today is, as the title says, we're all in this together. But this being the Christian life. In fact, this is one of the big themes of Philippians. Paul doesn't see his ministry in Rome or across the, the Middle East and beyond as being out for its own glory and separate from the Philippian church. Instead, he sees what they're doing as being together. He doesn't even see himself as an apostle as being greater than them. In fact, you can look at the identification, which is somewhat unusual for Paul. He identifies himself and Timothy as slaves, yet he names the church at Philippi as saints and commends their elders. This is one of those first hints that we see at that division. Paul is purposely humbling himself to show an example and pattern for humility for the readers. Whether that's the church in Philippi then or for our church now. It's all Christ's gospel, and it's all Christ's kingdom. And that's what we're all in together. So we're going to look at the statement that we're all in this together in two dimensions. First, that we're in this with each other. And second, and even more importantly, that we are in this together with Christ himself. So let's start with that first statement, that we are in this Christian life with each other. We can see this all throughout our passage, right? In verse 1, Paul identifies himself and Timothy as servants or slaves of Christ Jesus, and then immediately follows up by identifying the members of the church in Philippi as saints in Christ Jesus. He's given them the same foundation. They're in the same place together. In verse 2, God is referred to as our Father. Again, we're seeing that unity come through. That's for both Paul's contingent in Rome and for the church at Philippi. So just listen to this theme as I read verses 3 through 5 one more time. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
Can you imagine how wonderful it would be to be called by Paul a partner in the gospel? Greatest missionary of all time, one of the greatest pastor theologians of all time, writer of many, many of the books of the New Testament. And he calls you a partner. And now let's listen on, let's listen to verse 7, which gives the church at Philippi even more of that same encouragement. There he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. So they are part of Paul's mission, even in his imprisonment, or even as he goes to defend the gospel before the emperor himself. There's certainly a way where we all take partnership in the spread of the same gospel. But there's also a distinction in partnership for the special help that is provided by the church at Philippi. The Philippians were providing material support to Paul, and they had sent one of their own members to take care of him while he was in prison for an extended period of time. Family of God, we are partners in the ministry of all those we support. Just like this church in Philippi is partnering with Paul. When we give to our missionaries, we are a part of their ministries. When we give to this church, we are a part of its ministry. And that's not monetary alone, but it's in any way that we provide support. Hear Jesus' words in Matthew 10, 40 through 42. There Jesus says, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Family of God, this is just as true today as when Jesus originally said it. When we give or help, we are ultimately becoming a part of that ministry. We are united from labor all the way to reward. Start to finish. This is one place in our passage where we can see that Paul is calling for unity in the gospel. What we do as a church and what the Philippians did at church in partnering for the gospel It's more than a social event. It's why we don't call this a meeting house, right? It's more than pen pals. It's more than a fundraiser. God has placed each of us here in this body for a reason, to be at the right place with the right function so that we can fulfill the Great Commission, our mission here on earth, to make disciples of all nations, to give God glory. That partnership is God's design for how the gospel spreads. This is God's gracious plan for how he builds the kingdom through our work together in and across this world. Brothers and sisters, we are in this together. There's also similar examples throughout history of how Christians have supported each other in the ministry for the gospel. One that I was drawn to was John Bunyan. I'm sure you're all familiar that he wrote Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison. Probably less familiar, though, is what on earth his wife did with her four children while he was in prison. That's a really hard task, right? But his church came around them. They supported them. Do you think that that church was any less a partner in John Bunyan's ministry and the reach of Pilgrim's Progress by taking care of his family? 
Southwest Harbor Congregational Church, this is why it's so important that we partner with others for the gospel. This is why we should continue to support the Hansons over at Bill's Advent Christian. This is also why we and most other churches are able, uh, that are able support missionaries. We should have a desire to see the gospel grow and to partner with others in the gospel. See missionaries care, uh, cared for that are doing the very difficult work of taking the gospel to unreached peoples. It's been so wonderful, hasn't it? The past two Sundays, or not past two, but recent two Sundays, where we heard both the Mackies and the Bonds. It was so encouraging to hear from them, to know that they are faithful and patient and loving and caring in their ministries. Because we are a part of those ministries. No less than John Bunyan's church was a partner in his ministry. No less than the church at Philippi was in Paul's ministry. The implication in this passage is that we are not just on the sidelines. We're a part of what they're doing. Their ministries and how they're blessed or how they're troubled are our concerns directly. Because we are in it with them. From start to finish, or as Paul says in verse 5, from the first day until now. So family of God, we need to take that seriously. We need to partner in deeper ways with our missionaries and other gospel missions that we're a part of. We need to be truly in it together with them. We can earnestly pray for our missionaries, those that serve at this church, and others that spread the gospel around Maine and beyond. The same way that Paul prays for this church at Philippi. As he says in verses 9 through 11, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. One way that you can think about your prayer is like calling on behalf of a nonprofit mission or people that uh, do this to, to get donations for the nonprofit mission. We're like that in a sense, but we're calling the most important benefactor of all, the one that can provide for every need for those that we partner with, especially our missionary spiritual health and their perseverance in times of troubles. So my brothers and sisters, I have a mission to use to pray for our missionaries, our elders, or other ministries that you support here or elsewhere. If a human can be persuaded to support a mission for something far less important than spiritual health, spiritual life and death, how much more so will God be persuaded? You may be asking yourself, though, Kent, isn't God omniscient? Doesn't he have everything at his disposal? Why do we need to pray to ask for those things that he wants? Well, brothers and sisters, I can respond by telling you that this is how God has chosen to work. He loves to respond to our prayers. He loves that we can bring to remembrance his promises, like Daniel did at the end of the exile, coming to God in prayer, confessing the sin of his own nation, and praying for the restoration of the Jews to Canaan. He loves you. God loves you. He delights in answering your prayers for his glory. We can also not just pray, but partner with those people whenever their needs arise. We can help them very specifically whenever they need somebody to talk to or someone to take on a task and help in some special way or just check on how their spiritual health uh, is, is going, 
How is their discipleship? How are they growing in the Lord? We can even just give them an encouraging word and let them know that someone cares for them and prays for them. Brothers and sisters, this is a kingdom approach. This is not a self-serving approach. By supporting our missionaries or organizations like NETS or the Gospel Alliance of Maine, in addition to our own church, we are thinking first and foremost about God's kingdom, about his design and purpose for us, not about our desires and plans. His design, not our design. God can do this work without us, but he has allowed us in his grace to partner with these missionaries, with other churches, and with our very own church members. He has allowed his mission to be accomplished through human hands and charity that he has put in our hearts. You have an opportunity to take partnership in all of these missions through God's providence and his goodness. To be in this Christian life with him. If you have the ability to visit these missionaries and encourage them, I would encourage you to do that. I know it can mean a lot to be encouraged by someone that cares that you are serving in the mission field. You can feel that from Paul, can't you, as you read this letter. The Philippians had sent aid through Epaphroditus to Paul. And that's what sparked this incredibly warm letter to the Philippians. However, we are in this together with each other in this church, too. Not just with those far-flung ministries that we support. As you have an opportunity to take a meal to someone in our congregation in need, you have become a partner with that person in the gospel. As you pray for someone that is going through a difficult time, you have become a partner in the gospel with them. As you pray for the preaching of this church, you have become a partner in the gospel of this church. As you give to this church, you are part of the gospel mission here in Southwest Harbor and with all those that will be reached in history through the mission of this church. As you care for the beauty and the function of this building. As you give an encouraging word. As you speak into one another's lives. As you support any ministry that takes place here, you are partners in the gospel together. You are in this together with each other, start to finish. In sharing the good news of Jesus' sacrifice for us. That there is now reconciliation with God through Jesus' blood. It's important for us that we take part in each other's work. But also that we allow them into our own lives. And I know I'm asking something that's especially hard here in Maine, right? We have an independent streak that runs deep. And not just for the true Mainers, but even from those that have chosen to live here that are from away, like myself. Well, that's not what God really wants for us, is it? God wants us to be dependent on each other, and even more so to be dependent on him. This is part of why we continually remind ourselves as a church to pray through the directory. Brothers and sisters, pray for each other. Pray for each other like Paul prays for the Philippians, that each other's love will abound more and more. That they may approve what is excellent. That may be pure and blameless before Christ on the day of judgment. They may be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Brothers and sisters, do your prayers look like this? Do you pray for each other like this? I can tell you this part was especially convicting to me whenever I was studying this passage. Some of you might remember when as a part of opening I confessed that I failed at this miserably. And that we had just started a practice as a family of including this in our family worship. And I'll tell you, through God's grace, he's allowed us to remain faithful to that. 
I can tell you it's been a blessing to pray for you each. Don Carson puts it this way. When was the last time you prayed that the brothers and sisters in Christ in your congregation would abound in love more and more and knowledge and depth of insight so that they might discern the best things and prove them out in their own experience being filled with the fruit of righteousness to the glory and praise of God? Brothers and sisters, look for opportunities to grow closer to and to pray for your fellow church members. Watch out for them. Care for their souls. Speak into their lives. Encourage them. Warn them. Care for them physically as they may need a meal provided or more. Forgive them quickly for anything they have done against you. Humble yourselves for the growth of the gospel and the partnership together that comes first. Show the love of Christ in all kinds of different ways into the lives of those around you this morning. One of the most touching and beautiful illustrations of this in literature is in Pilgrim's Progress Part 2. The first part is all about Christian, right, and his journey to the celestial city. Partners with usually one person at a time along the way. However, Part 2 is very different. Christiana, by the time that she arrives at the celestial city, has almost this many people with her. It is outstanding to read that. However, they don't start off that way. Mercy uh, is with her along with Christiana's children. They're very vulnerable in the state. Whenever they leave the wicked gate, they're attacked along the way. However, they're quickly rescued. But when they're rescued, they're asked, why didn't they ask for someone to go with them along the way? Somebody to shepherd them to the celestial city. Bunyan's point here is that we need to ask God for people in our life to help us on the way. We will have much more success together. This is a team sport. This is not you on your own. It can still be difficult, but it is easier together. God designed us in the church to work that way for our good. So brothers and sisters, invite others into your life. Pray to God to put the right people in your life for your and their spiritual benefit. Don't think you are strong enough to stand on your own. He has given the church to help you. He has given these wonderful people around you this morning so they can be partners with you in the gospel too. So open yourselves to each other. Don't close yourself off. Live life together. Reach out to one another. Pray for each other earnestly. Be vulnerable with each other, especially where you sin, because sin dies in the light. Care for each other, my brothers and sisters. Be generous with each other and with all these missions that we as a church are supporting with your time, with your talent, with your treasure. And I know it's tempting whenever you hear that, as rich as a society that we are, to start with treasure. I'll challenge you to give of what's difficult for you. Think about what Jesus himself did. He did not give only what was easy. We can even see that whenever he fed, uh, fed the people with the loaves and fishes, right? He rebuked them the next day for only seeking after food. For not desiring the bread of life himself. The thing that was hardest for Jesus to give. 
the thing that caused him to sweat blood in Gethsemane, to die on the cross, taking on our sins. He even continued under, under death for three days for you and for me, for any that would partake of him. Brothers and sisters, give of yourselves in ways that mirror the love of Jesus. Give sacrificially, whether it's helping with a small group or spending time with someone that needs a lot of help and discipleship, or the time spent in making repairs to the church here, or in getting to know one another, or one of the many openings we have in our church at this very moment. Southwest Harbor Church, a Congregational Church, give sacrificially and lovingly of your time and talent. Because you were so loved by Jesus. He gave up everything to give us what we truly needed. And that leads to our second point today. Our first point, again, is that we are in this together. The second point is that we are in this together with Christ himself. In verse 1 and 2, we see that the common foundation for Paul and the church at Philippi is Christ himself. It is through the gospel that they have a partnership. Even their own togetherness is first because of God himself acting in their lives. However, God's action doesn't stop there. It's not just to give us to each other. It's first of all, and most importantly, to give himself to us so that we can be his people. Let me reread for you verses 8 through 11 one more time. As we do that, I want you to look for that theme of that foundation in Christ. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Did you hear that dependence on Christ and Paul's words there? In verse 8, it is Christ's love that this is all founded on. It's not Paul's affection, it's Christ's affection. He is praying for them to be sanctified, but why is he doing that? So that they'll be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. He wants them to be prepared for that moment. He is Even the righteousness that he is praying for from them, though, doesn't come from themselves. It comes from Christ. It comes through Christ to the glory and praise of God. Brothers and sisters, any righteousness we have is from God and comes through Jesus and his work on the cross. It's all his. It's through Jesus' love that we can be made righteous and praise God for that. His ultimate act of love in humbling himself to come to earth, to live a life like us, to then die at our hands for his sin, for our sin, while we were still in rebellion to him. Not because there was something winsome or lovely. You were still enemies to Christ at that time. Charles Spurgeon said on this partnership with Christ, the Lord has called us into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Carefully consider what this means. It means we are called into partnership with Jesus Christ. If you are in fact called by divine grace, you have come into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ as a joint owner with him in all things. 
From now on, you are one with him in the sight of the Most High. The Lord Jesus carried your sins in his own body on the cross. With this act, he was made a curse for you, and at the same time, he became your righteousness. As a result, you're justified in him. You are Christ, and Christ is yours. In the same way Adam stood for his descendants, Jesus stands for all who are in him. As a husband and wife are one, so is Jesus one with all united to him by faith. To put this in another set of terms, more human terms, we recently saw a transition from Queen Elizabeth II to King Charles III in Britain. I want you to just imagine, if you will, for me, that there is a criminal now in King Charles's kingdom. They have been given the death penalty. Could you ever imagine Charles stepping down from his throne, taking the death penalty for this, this, this person, being executed at the hands of his own government? But not stopping there, also having written this person into his will to receive an inheritance just like any other member of his family. It would be a scandal, wouldn't it? It would be one of the most unbelievable moments of our times. But that's the scandal of the gospel. Our king has done this for us. This is the love of Jesus for you. For me and for all that put our faith in him. And that's the kind of love that we are called to have for each other. It's the love that Paul has for the church at Philippi. And this is what binds us together. This is what makes us Christians. This is what makes us a family. A family purchased through his blood and given the righteousness of God. However, it gets even more wonderful, brothers and sisters. God will not fail in his purposes. He will not leave you on your own now that you're redeemed. Verse 6, the greatest hit of today that you all know, tells us, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we've had some really hard things asked of us this morning by Paul through the Holy Spirit. To live a life that's not selfish, but that's open and sharing. To continue in Christ and advance in holiness. To stand before him one day. Have the good news is that it's Christ that we are dependent on, not our own strength. He is how we can stand before God on the day of judgment. Because this is God, he will finish his work in us. We can be sure of it. Because Jesus is the creator God of the entire world. There's not one thing out of his control. There's not one unexpected event that will disrupt his plan for salvation. Even that we are talking this morning about this passage has been ordained by God since before time began. So brothers and sisters, give God the glory. Any good in you or in me or in this church is only because of God. Remember, as we take part in others' ministries and the spread of gospel, that is only because of God's good pleasure and mercy that he has included us in this work. It is for his glory alone. So don't take credit for, for it for yourself, even in your own heart. 
Instead, give God the glory. It's all his, even each and every one of our lives. All that we do should be motivated by the love of our Savior. Brothers and sisters, we are all in this Christian life together. We are all partakers of the same gospel ministry. So put your whole heart into it. Give of yourself to others. Open yourself to each other. Be vulnerable. And be willing to become dependent on each other more and more. Even better, we are all in this Christian life together with Christ himself. Out of love, endeavor to give him the glory. Give him all you are as you live each day. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, creator of heaven and earth, Yahweh made flesh, author and finisher of our faith, you are our righteousness alone. Help us to give all glory and honor to you, Lord. Give us the will and the heart to share our lives with each other, encourage each other, and to see the fruit of your gospel spread throughout Maine and through the ministries of the missionaries and pastors we support. Please bless the ministry of this church, Lord. We ask that you use this church mightily for your kingdom until you come again for us all. We ask these things in your name. Amen.